0: Hello and welcome back to the Littlest Pet Cast. I'm your host, James, and today we are going over the episode Inside Job. I'm sorry if this is a little late for your preference, but, like, you know, stuff. Like, this week was a little busy. Next week I'm, like, pretty free, so I can probably get an episode out earlier. But, whatever. We'll figure it out. Uh, so. At school, uh, Blythe is getting a bottle of water from the vending machine. And one thing I noticed this time is that either Blythe has, like, silver dollars or water costs a quarter here. Either way, she puts, like, a, you know, silver-y, uh, coin in the coin thing. So whatever I'd imagine it would have to be a silver dollar because this is like New York presumably unless like downtown city just broke off and became its own state but even still it's like still adjacent to New York City I'm not sure like the greater New York metropolitan area has like lower like that much lower prices for things I don't know So whatever that's not that's not the point of the water bottle. The point of the water bottle is that when she gets her bottle it's like bendy and not at all you know like solid I guess. I don't know. It like bends. It can like wobble. It's not great. When Blythe tries to open it uh like The water bottle just explodes on her and like all of the water just gets all over her and so she approaches the delivery person who has a stock of these bottles and asks hey what's up with these like crappy water bottles and the delivery person explains that the school switched suppliers and that this is the new water for a while When Blythe asks, how long is a while? The delivery person says, 58 years. And Blythe is, like, upset about this. But the delivery person says, it's not so bad. You'll get used to it. Then every day we'll start to feel the same. And that is, like, (laughs) really unexpected in this show. Like, Like, I know some kids' shows have, like, some, like, like a Squidward type, even, like, Squidward's a main character of SpongeBob, but in this show, aimed at a, I, I don't know if it's even a younger audience, hmm, now, now I'm thinking, is this for a younger audience, or am I just discrediting it, because you don't usually see this in, like, stuff that's aimed at young girls, Like, I don't know. I guess Spongebob is also kind of gender neutral in a sense. I don't know. This is perplexing to me. Is it? I think it is just... Hmm. Now I don't know. Like, I was going to say this is for a younger audience than Spongebob, but then I thought, is it? Because, like, well, I don't I don't know, I mean I guess SpongeBob is like more all ages, I guess. I don't know. Man, this is weird. This is a weird weird rant I'm stumbling into. Like I don't know what's up. I need to think about this for a second. Okay. After some thinking and some research which I'll get into later <laughs> I'm still... I might have found an answer. I'm not sure. So, like... I think Spongebob is more of a general audience thing. Uh, This show is more aimed at a younger audience. But... Like, it's sister show, My Little Pony, I guess. uh, Some... Older audience members do watch it. But here's the thing. When I started watching MLP. Like I was watching it for its simplicity. Because it was just like simple and easy. And not really that complicated. However. As it marched on. It got more complicated. And you know. Because like. The audience grows with the show, I guess. And they want to, like, see it through, I think. S- some some would. You would think they would. But, like, that, that doesn't matter. So, maybe there's that? I don't know. Because, like, I guess Spongebob really is just, like, an outside case. I would, like, consider other shows aimed at younger audiences, more younger than they are for us now. But even then, it's whatever. It's really confusing. So what I would say is that this show is originally meant for young girls between the ages of, like, 5 and 10, I guess. And then, like, if that's the beginning dynamic, then, like, at this point, they would be 7 to 12. So maybe that's fine. Why am I, um, going into this line as much as I am? I don't know. Like, oh, the the research I said I did. Um, I guess... Like, it's really more of an example of how MLP has grown with its audience. And this is sort of doing that as well with that line. I just didn't expect it too much is my thing. But, like, whatever. You know what? I said I I would get to it, and I'm already this deep into this rant. So I might as well delay talking about the episode more and talk about, like, the example I found. So so this airs, aired alongside uh, MLP. And this episode aired the same day that like uh, It Ain't Easy Being Breezy's aired. And the moral of that episode was like the kindest thing that you can do for somebody sometimes is to let them go. And that's that's a more mature message. So maybe there's that? I don't know. I'm... I've confused myself even. So, like I said, generally this is aimed at a more younger audience. And I just kind of didn't expect that, but it is kind of that in a sense, because like... I don't know. Even shows aimed at a younger audience can do that sometimes, and... I don't know. I just... I wasn't expecting it because I wasn't used to it in, like, programming for girls. Exactly. Because, like, really, most of the stuff I know that was girl-based at the time I was growing up was, like, kind of shallow, in my opinion. I don't know. I might need to look back on some of them... I might not, I don't know, I just wasn't that interested in them, but that would make sense because I was a boy, not a girl, and it's like, whatever. Alright, this is future James here, after listening back to this, I realized I I did enjoy some programming that was more aimed at girls when I was younger, and... I mean, I do now as well, but more when I was younger, too. Like, that's more the point I'm trying to make here. And, like, the reason I really didn't think of that at the time, like, a few minutes ago or whatever, because, like, this is all being recorded at once, is because I really thought of them more as outliers than of, like, you know, the, the main stuff. That I was thinking of. And I'm sorry. I'm extending this rant even longer. Because this rant. Went way out of hand. I'm just going to apologize. But like I I do want to make that correction. Now. And like. There it is. I don't know. Like you have to understand. Back when I was growing up. Like Powerpuff Girls. Was considered girly. Because like the main characters were girls didn't matter that they had like superpowers they were still girls and like like that challenging the notion of like femininity and masculinity as it is was more revolutionary at the time and like it's it's a good show and I will maintain it's a good show and I have maintained it's a good show for for a long time but like like, t- times were different then than they are now. Like, that that's always going to be the case. Anyway, sorry for this correction, but I'm going to get back to where I was in the rant uh, now. So, I will see you then, I guess? I don't know. I don't know. This is... This is a really far-gone rant, and I'm not even, like, two minutes into the episode proper. Like, like when I say into the episode in these things, I mean into the episode I'm talking about, not the episode of the podcast. Obviously, I am not less than two minutes on this podcast. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. This is... This is weird, like... I mean, I guess I get it, because this was, like, produced by the same people that made My Gym Partners a monkey. Now, I don't remember a whole heck of a lot, but, like, if they brought that sensibility to this show, that would make sense as to why, you know, stuff like this gets in, and stuff like other things get in. Because... Like, you know, they're they're bringing a Cartoon Network sensibility to it, and like, I don't know, at least when I was growing up, and I guess to this day, I found Cartoon Network to be accessible to both boys and girls. That might just be my opinion, but whatever. The point is, this rant has gone on far enough, and... Like, I need to get back to the episode because, like, oh, boy. Was not expecting that at all. (laughs) So, Blythe figures that she cannot be the only person who hates these new water bottles. And she pans over to see everyone else suffering at the hands of these water bottles. She asks them all if uh, they hate it, and they all say yes. Blythe wants to do something about this, and someone asks what, and then serendipitously, an announcement comes on and says that the school president elections are coming up, and Blythe decides to run. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go on another tangent. Even though I just got out of my last tangent. <laughs> but this this will not take as long and will not be as convoluted. I just I just need to bring this up quick. So like here is where I either need to accept that Blythe is in high school or I can just not accept that and accept that Blythe as a 7th grader is running for the president of the school of 6th to 12th graders. Now, I'm going to do the latter because I cannot accept that Blythe is in high school because like she's like maybe like 3'11 if I had to guess it It just looks like a lot of the class looks like they're taller and older and have proper jobs as opposed to like this quid pro quo job you have Blythe like I mean one of them works at an ice cream place that's that's no small beans. Like you you have to apply there. You can't you can't get in there because you saved the ice cream store cuz ice cream stores don't need saving, Blythe. I am I am making this tangent longer than it needs to be. Oh boy. I I hope you like Randy episodes cuz apparently this one's going to be one of them. Even though the notes itself are shorter than usual episodes. Okay, so, yeah, I'm just gonna accept that, like, a 7th grader is running for president of a 6th through 12th school. That's, that's not as weird to me, you know? So, so after, after the theme song, Blythe meets with young me, Sue, and Jasper about her campaign strategy. And they talk about, like, the issues and stuff. And Jasper says that since she's running on a post, she'll be fine. But, like the Always Sunny credits uh, would suggest, Blythe is not running on a post. do 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 <laughs> I, I just, I love that gag. <laughs> that is such a good gag. And... I love it. Okay. So. She's not running unopposed. Because the biscuits are running. And they. Uh, the way they do it. Is actually kind of funny. Like. They say we have good news and bad news. They say the bad news is we're running against you. And they say the good news is. We lied. There's no good news. And they high five each other. And it's kind of funny. Okay. So Blythe asks why and they say it's because we hate you and we are your nemesises. But they trip on the word nemesises because it is a weird word and according to um spell check it's not even a word, but how would you say multiple nemesis is Like more than one nemesis. How would you say that? Nemesis? Nemesis No, there's a there's a difference. Like the I suffix comes from like Latin. So if Nemesis has a basis in Latin, which it probably does, I'm actually gonna look that up. Hold on. So Nemesis is actually a Greek word but it sort of is cl- uh, I wouldn't say it's close to Latin. It has some of some similar-ish rules to Latin but like whatever. I also learned that the plural of nemesis is nemesis which is where it would be different. It wouldn't be nemesi because that's more Latin, and if you want to get real specific, Latin second declension, but, uh, this word came much later in the Greek language than when Latin was still being very commonly used. Like, I think, like, the height of Latin proper in everyday language was like during the Roman Empire before Latin broke off into all of the other Romance languages. Man, this episode is full of unexpected rants. So... Anyway... Blythe informs them that the office is only meant for one person, but the Biscuits had their TEAM OF LAWYERS go through the paperwork and they didn't find anything saying the office can't be shared by two people so this is evil airbud scenario we're going through i say evil because the biscuits are evil er Air, Air, there's no such thing as an evil airbud because airbuds a dog and all dogs are the best dog as i have learned anyway They also say it's like a two-for-one sale, which is their favorite kind of sale, of course. So the Biscuits want to get it over with, but Blythe and company inform them that that's not how it works. You need to like campaign, hang posters, uh, like have a debate and talk about stuff, you know. And Blythe wants a good, clean campaign But that is proven to not be what she's in for when she spills water on herself again from one of those terrible water bottles. And the biscuits insult her about waiting to get home to take a shower. But no matter how many showers the biscuits take, they will still have the stench of evil. So at the pet shop, Pepper honks a horn at everyone. And Zoe and everyone else is bothered by this, but Zoe especially because she is trying to figure out where a strange noise is coming from. And then everyone starts to hear this noise, and they want to figure it out. Meanwhile, Blythe bursts in with an announcement, and she wonders what everyone's up to, and Russell says they're trying to figure out a noise, but Russell will fill her in later, and Russell wants to hear what Blythe has to say. Blythe says she's running for student president. Russell asks if she has hired a hedgehog campaign manager yet. And Blythe says no and is wondering if he knows anyone. And then after all of this small talk, Blythe brings him onto the campaign as a at-home campaign manager and explains that the biscuits are running. Russell is also confused by that, but Blythe says she'll be fine because she has issues. Russell says that if she follows his path, she is sure to win. I just realized something, and, um, you know, you know, I'm gonna pocket that for later. Because we're already rant-heavy enough at this point in the episode as it is. So, let's keep it going. So at lunch the next day, Blythe is suspicious about the biscuits' activities because they've been quiet all morning. But then the principal, who did announce his name at the beginning, but since uh, I am using not Netflix now, I didn't have the option of turning on captions, so I could not catch the principal's name. So the principal comes on and says that the biscuits are giving away free ice cream. Everyone is excited by this, but Blythe says that's against campaign rules because they're trying to buy votes. Now, Francois explains that they haven't submitted their paperwork to be candidates yet, and then Sue goes on to explain that this is technically legal, and Sue, Youngmi, and Jasper eat the ice cream, which is actually gelato, and enjoy it. now, This is a rant I did have pre-baked for this episode, but, but, it doesn't excuse the amount of rants that I have already went on, so I really, really hope you like rant-heavy episodes of this podcast, because, like, it got ranty fast, so... I find this action on the part of Sue young and Jasper hypocritical because they just stopped being Blythe's friend after she ate lunch with them one time after, you know, just barely getting here and just, like, not knowing how evil the biscuits can get at that point. And, like, They Biscuits were also manipulating her into being their friend. And they just stopped being friends until Blythe was like, no, you guys are mean. Now, they're doing the same manipulative, like, behavior again by offering, like, something good to eat and, like, weird... Pie in the sky stuff, and this time Sue Me and Jasper are falling for it. But like, like it's worse on their front because they've had to deal with the biscuits for most of their lives at this point. I I don't I don't even want to imagine the biscuits as babies hanging out with other babies because I don't think they did that. I really don't. But like, preschool and onward, maybe. Probably elementary school, and yeah, since this is middle school, that's middle school, but like, whatever. Still, Blythe is a nice person and does not call them out on this, even though this is political, which like, hasn't even... ...deeper stench to it... ...than just like... ...wanting people to like you... ...this is wanting people to like you... ...to gain power... ...or... ...power I guess... I don't know... ...because like... ...because I'm thinking of that one episode of... ...Sabrina the Teenage Witch... ...I started watching that... ...and like... ...where her best friend... ...like won the... ...votes thanks to Sabrina... Under magic but learned that the school president doesn't have that much power so maybe it's different I don't know still Blythe is a nice enough person to overlook this uh, hypocrisy and just like you know accept them as still being her friend. Like, she could have turned on them, but she didn't. Cause, you know, she's she's just that nice. Anyway, so Blythe asks the school about the issues, but they are ignoring her. The biscuits then come in and announce their candidacy to everyone, and they are quite literally eating it up along with the gelato. Except Blythe. Blythe is not eating the gelato. And Brittany asks for it, and Blythe gives it to her. So, the pets are really starting to get annoyed with the sound. Russell says to try not to let it get them down, and Pepper and Zoe argue if the sound is a hum or a buzz. Russell meets with Blythe in her room, and Blythe just got done with some posters for the campaign. Blythe informs Russell about what happened, and Russell calls the tactic barbaric but effective. Russell says that to retaliate, uh, you should talk during dessert tomorrow, for lunch tomorrow, so that the students will associate what she says with something sweet. So... The next day, Blythe attempts to do this, and the dessert is supposed to be chocolate cake. However, it is not. It is this weird green blob thing, and so Blythe confronts the biscuits because she rightfully thinks that they did something fishy to, you know, bring about this horror of a dessert. Because it's just as much of a horror as they are. And the Viscists explain that their dad hired some actual campaign advisors. And they thought she would try this stunt. So they retaliated. So we see the campaign staff. And they act more like spies than actual campaign staff. So one hides behind a potted plant, one pulls out a newspaper to read, and the last one just straight up uses a smoke bomb and disappears. So their campaign strategy for this is bribing the lunch staff. They admit to bribing the lunch staff and replace the chocolate cake with a horseradish and catfish parfait. Blythe tries it, and it is disgusting. She wants some water, but is again thwarted by the flimsy water bottle. Blythe is now worried that she'll be associated with the taste, but, I mean, I'm going to argue not, because, like, it seems like a taste like that would be, like, overwhelming in a sense, because, like, like, if something's bad... Like you might be able to associate it, but this is like new and different and seemingly overwhelming to like where you wouldn't focus on what just happened or what's going on, on around you, and like, 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 wait, no, yeah, why didn't why did like the biscuits? This seems like a dumb move on the part of the biscuits because Blythe can be like, hey. They paid the lunch staff, so that you can eat this disgusting mess. Like that should have been an automatic victory. Like right there. Like you just need to, like think think it through. Like think it one step forward. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't realize it until now. I'm just realizing, but, but like, like, I mean, I guess I don't have much of a say in this since i didn't realize it either but like like i don't i don't know what i'm saying i'm i'm getting lost again but like like they admit to bribing the lunch staff though like bribe like they actually paid money so that you can ingest this horrid food that is just as horrid as their soul <laughs> It's really, really not great for the Biscuits, but Blythe didn't capitalize on it, and I guess neither did I until now, but then again, I'm not the one running, I guess. I don't know. So, just then a song happens, and it's like a campaign song about how you must vote for the Biscuits, and they use the word must. And, like, the visuals and lyrics are, like, very manipulative and, like, wanting to conquer the world through, like, power. Just, like, it's a big show of power. Like, like basically, if, if you don't like us tough because we're in charge and we should be in charge and stuff like that. It's just so... So, like, right there. It is so they want to rule the world. It is so weird and, like, very on the nose. And they also go out of their way to upstage Blythe at every turn during the song. Just every turn. I get that they're competing, but this seems very totalitarian. In my honest opinion. So back at the pet shop, Zoe, Pepper, and Penny Ling are yelling at each other because they can't stand the noise. Minka also comes in yelling. Then they see Sunil, and Sunil doesn't seem to be bothered by the noise, and they think he's being zen. So Zoe, Pepper, and Penny try it, but Minka investigates and finds that he's just wearing earplugs. She takes them out, and Sunil is frazzled. The girls all dogpile onto Sunil and attempt to get the earplugs. They fall out during the scuffle, and Vinny grabs them and puts them in. The girls realize this and go after Vinny and leave Sunil on the ground. So, Vinny runs off, and uh, Russell and Vinny come up to Blythe's room with some pencils. Uh, Russell asks Vinny to move the pencils over there, and uh, Russell asks how the cake thing went. And Blythe explains that it was sabotaged. Blythe knows that the biscuits know how to play dirty, and she doesn't know what to do about the debate tomorrow, because some dirty trickery stuff is probably also going to happen then. And then Vinny explains that to beat a biscuit, you need to think like a biscuit. Blythe is hesitant, but Vinny believes in the power to think stupidly and meanderingly. And, uh, he asks for an example and Blaith goes for, you know, talk about the moon. Binny's answer on the moon goes, like, very meanderingly and it's just all over the place. It's like, he starts off talking about how it's a big shiny circle and sometimes cows jump over it. And he talks about cows and then milk and then pudding and, you know, other stuff it it goes it goes all over the place but it doesn't end up anywhere and i guess that is politics i guess cuz there's that saying like the best politician is someone who can talk for hours without saying anything and that is an amusing quote and i guess you know that applies here especially to like you know beat someone who's totalitarian because if they're, if they're not at a state where like it's totalitarian, yeah, you gotta, you gotta out-total them, I guess. At least to get power to m- prevent the totalitarianism. Politics is weird, but interesting. I find it interesting anyway. Also, just as long as we're talking about politics this episode, please go vote. I'm gonna I'm gonna release another reminder once all of the primaries are done, except for whatever I'll get into that. But while we're talking about politics now, just 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 vote, please. Anyway, Russell comments on how weird that is, and then asks Blythe to keep the course, but Blythe is more distracted by Vinnie uh, using. A pencil to scratch his armpits, like Russell pulls them away and then smells it and is like, "Ew!" Because like, yeah Oh God!" I just I just imagined what that would smell like and that does not smell good. So at the debate, uh, Blythe begins because she won the coin toss, and uh, <laughs> I ju- I just love this line. Whitney turns to Brittany and uh, says that it kind of stinks because they got their double-sided coin in, but Blythe called heads first. And then uh, I, just, I just find that amusing because it's like, like, you're awful, but you're also stupid, and I love that. And uh, so Blythe presses on with actual issues on her debate, and Sue, Young-mi and Jasper cheer for her. And I guess Blythe forgave them because she's forgiving. So the biscuits hijack the one stand they have for a two-sided debate, which is really weird. And begin biscuiting all over by promising faux fur lined lockers. A gossip column in the school newspaper, which is a terrible idea. It is a terrible idea. But they're all middle schoolers and high schools, so they don't know better. But, like, shouldn't there be a teacher that runs the school newspaper? Are they... wow, they are really gunning for that whole totalitarianism thing. Like, they, they want to control the school newspaper, the school lockers. They just want they just want control. I mean, I guess they're used to control, because they're, they're the worst type of rich people. <laughs> and they just want to extend that level of control to as much as possible, I guess? Oh boy, they are, they are not good. So, their final promise is to make the gym uniforms 90% cuter. And then they bring it on home with their slogan of two four one. And Blaith tries to voice her rebuttal, but she is pushed down by the biscuits. Now, Blaythe remembers what Vinny says, and just like that, snaps into biscuit mode and upstages the biscuits by being even biscuitier. But, you know, pure. And we'll get into that. And she promises to make the gym uniforms, 100% cuter. And then she goes on to say that two is too many and that one is fun and everyone is taking to this approach. Like, that. The Biscuits have been campaigning like this like, all week, I guess? But Blythe, like, does this in an instant and, like takes control of all of the votes, mostly, I guess I don't know, so the biscuits are upset that she's out biscuiting them, and Sue, young me, and Jasper are concerned, but they shouldn't they really shouldn't, but I mean, I guess they wouldn't know because I don't know if Blythe knows, but the reason Blythe is able to just tap into this biscuity energy and like Campaign like No Tomorrow. Using this strategy is because she has biscuit energy in her, purified biscuit energy. She's she's not getting lost in the delusional evil of it all. She is just absorbing their power and b- blasting it back out for good purposes. And it is so great that, like, she can just do that and be better at the biscuits than her own game. Now, I said that Purified Biscuit only comes out when someone's being truly evil. And, you know, suppressing dissent in a political field is truly evil. So... Blythe going from zero to biscuit, just, like, that is just great. And, like, you know, really helpful for the betterment of the school. So, at the pet shop, everyone is going crazy over the noise in the pet shop. And the scene... Has this horror movie vibe to it. Like Minka even does the Exorcist head spin like twice, which is really, really creepy. It's probably even creepier than it was in the Exorcist because in like the Exorcist, it is just um you know her being possessed by a demon, and this, she's just being assaulted with a pervasive noise. She's not being possessed by a demon. She can just do that. And That is creepy. Like, just creepy. But whatever. Russell tries to find a quiet place, and he thinks that it is against the wall. But Penny warns him that it's louder over there. Zoe says she's right, and Pepper asks Zoe if she can find the cause. Zoe finds a nail in the wall and removes it to stop the noise. So I guess the noise is coming from in the wall and just vibrating from the nail? I guess, if that makes sense. I think it does. Makes more sense than, like, half of the stuff I talked about this episode, if I'm being completely honest. But whatever. So then the wall spills out something, and everyone freaks out. Russell investigates and determines that it's honey and they have bees. Russell then freaks out because he realizes what bees are. And Zoe goes to get Mrs. Trombley. Uh, she rushes out to the star and then barks. Mrs. Trombley wonders what Zoe's barking is about and makes a Timmy and a well joke. And then when Zoe shows her the hull, Mrs. Trombley springs into action. She says she is an amateur beekeeper and can remove it. And also calls a bee farm so that they can accept the bees. So, like, yeah, she's she's just a beekeeper. I don't I don't I don't find that too odd. That's that's a hobby that some people can get, or whatever. So, Vinny is using pencils and stilts, and Blythe rushes in and says his strategy worked. Vinny is a little shocked, but then says, "Of course it worked, you know, because it's his plan." Russell is wondering about the issues, and Blaith says that she just needs to focus on winning at this point, and that she needs to go upstairs to unstudy uh, for the election speech tomorrow. So uh, the night passes, and the next morning, Blaith comes down and she has a sore throat. When she greets everyone, she is shushed because the process of moving the bees has begun. She approaches the beekeeper that we know as Mrs. Twombly, but she doesn't know as Mrs. Twombly, so it's dramatic irony, so whatever. Blythe is very confused about Mrs. T. being a beekeeper, but Mrs. Twombly is more concerned with Blythe's voice because it's shot. She says that some honey and lemon water will do the trick. Uh, Twombly wonders if the bees will let Blythe use their honey, and Blythe says she'll just ask, and Mrs. Twombly just kind of blows that off. So she goes to ask the bees, and the bees resemble the main seven pets of the pet shop. They let her have the honey. Blythe's like, you look familiar. And then it's weird. But then Blythe leaves because she doesn't want to be late. Um, So Sunil sees the Sunil bee and faints, and the Sunil bee then faints as well. And Russell and the Russell bee just kind of shake their head. It is a very surreal scene. It's This whole thing is just a little surreal. And that is just after the horror thing that just happened too. Because that is also a bit surreal. So anyway. Uh, Mrs. Tomley rushes to the school with the honey in an effort to save Blythe's voice. Because she forgot to take the honey. Russell and Vinny argue over campaign strategy and who should guide Blythe to victory. Now, I will point out, nope, no, nope, I'm still pocketing that. I'm gonna pocket that until we get to the reveal. Anyway, the big speech is happening and Blythe's voice is still shot. And Blythe wants a bottle of water, but the biscuits have entire boxes of water just stacked up and you know, in front of them, just all of the water. Very totalitarian of them. So, uh, Blythe leaves to get some water, but finds the vending machine empty. She then sees the delivery person and hopes to catch him. She gets outside and asks for a bottle, and he's like, told you you'd get used to it, and hands her a bottle. Blythe sees something on the truck and takes a photo. Bum, bum, bum. Mrs. Trombley then rushes in with the honey, and Blythe has some, and her throat is clear. She then thanks Mrs. Trombley for being concerned and giving her the honey. Russell and Vinnie plead with her to follow their advice, but Blythe decides to take Russell's advice this time and goes back in. Blythe begins her speech by apologizing and promised to go back to what her campaign was all about. And she says she also found the reason the Biscuits were campaigning in the first place. So the photo she took was a photo of a logo that says Biscuit Enterprises non-biodegradable water (laughs) bottles. And they were running to keep those bottles in. So they were essentially running to make a profit out of all of this. And the students are mad. now. I'm gonna I'm gonna pull up a few things that I've kept pocketed. I think the first thing that I said I kept pocketed will come out first, because you know you're anticipating that a little more. Anyway, um so I do wanna point out that Russell's campaign strategy only worked when Blythe had some ammunition to like back it up. Like Vinny is the better campaigner when it comes to campaigning against the Biscuits. But, like, when when you have something that will, like, just discredit your opponent entirely, like, Russell is the better campaigner. Because, like, like, you focus on the issues and the the issue is about the other candidates, then you get, you know, something. But you can't focus on the issue if, like, someone keeps detracting from the issue. So, in a sense, Russell is, again, full of himself and thinks more highly of himself than he probably should. Which, I mean, yeah, it's it's not the best character trait to have, but, like, it makes her an interesting character in Russell, and I, I don't want to say he's, like, Bad. He's just, like, full of himself at times. And that's interesting. So the other thing that I've kept in my pocket is uh, why the delivery driver seems to be a depressed nihilist. That reason, I think, is because he works for the Biscuits. And, you know... That, that that can make you feel dour sometimes. Very, very dour. And, like, especially if you're, like, working with them at a the close level. Because, like, my job could be replaced by a robot. But, like, I don't want it to be replaced by a robot. But at the same time, I don't know where else I can get work. But, like, it... Don't want to really work for them because they're kind of I'm really using that as a substitute for anything at this point, but whatever. And it's just—it's just this whole thing where, like, like the people you work for speak a lot about your outlook on life. <laughs> so Blythe asks the biscuits for a rebuttal and they get mad and try to leave but their stacks of water bottles explode on them. And I want to pull out one more thing quick. I still think Blythe is using the purified biscuit, but she's using it in a different way. She's still taking command and taking charge like the biscuits would, but she's not tapping into like full biscuit. Like I guess I guess that's what you do you don't you don't need to go full biscuit to take their energy but like I mean without ammunition you need to go through it um shoot there's like a there's like an example I'm trying to think of like where like you have to use more power but then you can scale it back when you have something else that can work I guess. I don't know. So th- there's something like that. I just I just can't quite get to it at this point. So, at the shop, Russell, Sunil, and Vinny are playing with the pencils when Blythe walks in. Blythe says she lost, but the regular water bottles are back. So, she essentially won because like the issue she campaigned on b- worked in her favor. And she says that politics really isn't for her. And, I mean, the Biscuits didn't win either, but, like... Like, I would argue that politics might be for Blythe if she wasn't campaigning against, like, totalitarian dictators. Because, like, they they will do anything for power. And, like, like, if you're not sharp enough you can get lost and stoop exactly to their level. Like, I will point out, Blythe didn't quite do that, even though she went full biscuit with her biscuit energy. But it, she was just doing it to win the election. Like, you can just get lost in, like, what your opponent says even after you've won. I, th- I think our current president is a good example of that. Anyway. So uh if she didn't win and the biscuits didn't win who won so uh she explains that at the bottom of the ballot there was a write-in option and since the students were sick of the politics because one of the parties running was completely totalitarian and you know that will get you sick of any politics, regardless of how pure the intentions are of the other side uh they wrote in reboot election and and in a in a in a twist that'll just make your head explode reboot election is the name of a recent exchange student, and they won the school presidency just just because their name is that that's that is dumb like it's kind of I, hmm, I don't know if I can say it's racist because like it's it's certainly like linguistic because like they're not English obviously like, they wouldn't, they wouldn't name their child Reboot. And have the last name of Election. But, like, I don't know if it's entirely, huh. It's weird. Because, like, like we, we don't know where this exchange student is from. Like, I even looked up foreign words that kind of sound like Reboot. But I couldn't find anything. And it's just, like weird that like like this happens and it's just weird and I've always thought it was weird and kind of racist if they are not white but like even if they're white whitish I don't know this is this is just uh, like one of like the most head spinny things i've seen in the show so Blythe leaves to go. To her room and Vinny sneezes and a pencil comes out and Russell is disgusted by that. And there we end the episode. Now, now this episode You know, it's a it's a it's a pretty alright episode. <laughs> like we're we're winding down on like how weird and inane and stuff it got from the last two episodes, but there's still some of that in here. And. uh Yeah. It's. It's a pretty decent episode. Even if there's not a lot of focus on. The pets exactly. But I mean they're there. You can have them if you want. But like. I mean. It is interesting to see like. Even though like. They're. B story wasn't, like, as prominent. Like, it needed to exist because of the whole honey thing. And, you know, it's it's just a pretty alright episode. You know? And for whatever reason, I found myself going on a bunch of rants throughout describing it to you. But, to give you some peace after all of this, I shall choose to end the episode here, so thank you for listening to this episode of the Littlest Pet Cast. Be sure to leave your comments and reviews on Shout Engine, on Apple Podcast, on the Google Play Store, and wherever else RSS feeds go. When uh, you know they're running for student president, and be sure to tune in next time for the episode It on Rio." Thank you.